0: The following podcast has been made possible by the generous members of our Patreons, so if you like our podcast, you want to join in and contribute and find mountains of other content while you're there, join in at patreon.com forward slash Ian Boldsworth and patreon.com forward slash Burials and Beyond. Thank you.
1: Welcome to Loopholes, your weekly discussion podcast on all things esoterotic. I am Ian Bosworth. Hello.
0: And I am Kate Cheryl, Brackett's doctor. Hello. Yeah, one of
1: us has to be a doctor. Every okay. week, one of us has to be a doctor. In real life, you are a real doctor. I'm a fraudulent quack, mm-hmm. but one of us has to state we're a doctor every week.
0: Okay. That so makes w- sense.
1: I also like, in fact, I love that the word esoterotic is now just casually used in some <laughs> Without any reference at yeah. all to it being a phony word.
0: What do you mean it's a phony word?
1: Exactly. Sweet. So it's now just accepted.
0: We're like Shakespeare. Into
1: the lexicon of the paranormal world, they're stupid enough that they'd use it.
0: Right. It, this started so. <laughs> they well. are though, aren't they?
1: <laughs> I know you're one of them, but they are stupid enough that they'd no, start no, using no, it.
0: Let's not know. They
1: hear it and just repeat it. Just, oh. <laughs> you are an actual ghost person.
0: Probably. Yeah, I'm a ghost. Ghost botherer. Ghost writer in all senses of the word. Do you know what?
1: Ghost botherer? Yes. That comes into play here because in the comments
0: that we had
1: last week, I'm so relieved that I've found another seamless link because it's very unnatural, I think, to do comments at Mm -hmm. the very beginning of a podcast.
0: Yeah. We do get a bit giddy about the comments,
1: don't we? We do. And I also do, as I've said before, worry about forgetting them. Yeah. So... Somebody did say, they actually referenced that this was asked on the Parapod and they weren't sure if it had been answered or not. I okay. think it was answered on the Parapod, but I believe the answer was, I suppose so. So we can go into. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's uh, genuinely okay. true. All right, okay. Andy Walker said, If you accept ghosts as 100% true, are there any ethical concerns about asking a spirit to essentially perform parlour tricks? or they just be left alone. Do you have any thoughts on that? I, I do, actually, have thoughts okay. on it, even though I don't believe in ghosts. But yeah. if I accept them, as Andy said, as 100% true, mm-hmm. there's a argument that some of these ghosts that people talk about yeah. are actually imposing themselves. So it's not mm-hmm. so much that people are going tormenting them. The ghosts themselves are doing the tormenting, yes. and people are investigating the tormenting.
0: Yes. Although, yeah, like in, in a lot of investigations... I felt
1: sick when I said that, <laughs> defending them i felt horrible Look,
0: like. in, in a lot of investigations if you like you go into a particular building with your team and your equipment and all of that lot yeah. because you've paid to be there and these yeah. sort of things aren't cheap you kind of have to incite something and that can but the be the aren't
1: getting the money you
0: no know, they've had their chance <laughs> i mean th- this could be an ethical concern and it's certainly been a point of discussion if you incite activity it can just be through putting trigger objects down through saying hey do you want to come and chat and put okay. it as an option out there you
1: just made it sound but, reasonable with the tone oh, of your voice but wait but break it down to the black and white
0: but i think there's really two probably more but let's just be simple there's like two schools of thought with how you approach a ghost hunt and yep. i've seen both of them right in the flesh so there's the hey would you like to come and talk to us come closer to this box it's like a candle it won't hurt you you know right. things like that okay. which i quite like because i think like that creates a nice atmosphere for everyone living and dead within a ghost hunt okay I hop back your tongue and then there's the other approach which is it's kind of a very americanized like american tv when it's it's very demon-based and like Come on, you kick buggers. Them. Kick em. I'll kick your head Wind in them up. And... Yeah, exactly. And I think that's kind of uh, a bit dodgy. I think
1: both are dodgy. If okay. you accept it, it's true. Because I think what you have described in both scenarios, yes. by the way, lovely lighting and kick a ghost. Yeah. Both those things. <laughs> yeah, You're describing a freak show. You're describing an old Victorian freak show, a okay. Coney Island freak yeah. show where the centre of attention mm-hmm. is completely benign within the actual operation. Yeah,
0: I suppose this is, if you agree that the spirit you're trying to contact is sentient, right. and so has its own free will and can chat, but also, you've got to think, if you're trying to register on your equipment like an echo of a ghost yeah. or just like a an energy residual type matter dripping tap, something like dripping that. dripping tap things like that so then there's no ethical mouse, mouse very few ethical concerns what are the with Weather. trying to Whether register the building. <laughs> register an imprint or an echo but if yeah if you're trying to interact with something that is rumbling
1: tummies that happens sentient
0: quite a lot and is very real
1: broad, and, and say that sounded a bit like
0: <laughs> then a lot of people quite rightly think you should respect them as you would have done in life and not go in all guns blazing going how about it?
1: Well I agree with that argument Right, <laughs> if it stops them I'm going to go straight through the comments, yeah? if that's okay. okay. Thank you for your considered response. I'm sure that Andy Walker very much appreciates that. Such a snidey side. I'm trying to do it a bit more like you. Oh uh,
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people picked up I'm on that, I'm trying to get the tone
1: of my voice a bit more <laughs> like you. I liked, there was a, t- a comment from Tango who said, love the podcast so far, even if Kate sometimes starts segments with the same energy I have when I discover I've forgotten to take the bins out.
0: <laughs> it's not intentional. <laughs>
1: really made me laugh. <laughs> Hazel Quinlan said, I really enjoy this podcast and love hearing Kate sing Celebrity Sounds Corner. So, Hazel, you're (laughs) barred.
0: Love you, Hazel. Sorry
1: about that, Hazel. Barred you are now. (laughs) Annette Truby said a thing about the haunted dolls that we were talking Mm -hmm. about last week, where she said, what's the worst thing that can happen? It creeps you out a bit and then you boot it down the stairs, is what (laughs) Annette said. Oh,
0: she's very practical,
1: What are the the things with the haunted dolls? What are they meant to do? Because I, again, this happens every week where I record this with you. Mm -hmm. I go away and edit it. Yeah. And in the edit, I think about it a bit more. When you can listen to that and consider it a bit more, you come up with more questions. Oh, and I yeah. think one of the things, again, that I was remiss, certainly in last week, is what does that mean? Because I said, why would you want that in your house? Yeah. But didn't elaborate on oh, what it, that would be, what would happen.
0: No two haunted dolls are the same. Right. I, I suppose that is. You know, you might have... So, oh, this haunted doll moves me keys about a bit, whereas yeah. this one summons the dead and tries to kill my kids. Yeah, okay. you know It depends on the individual.
1: But, like, are we saying that they will come to life like Toy Story, like when you're not in the room?
0: Maybe some people believe it does.
1: I bet some people believe it does. <laughs> there were lovely comments from Lewis Crawford-Wilson, uh, Craig Harrison as always, Paul Kenny as always, Vicky Gus too. Thank you for all your comments. Rob Graves said, Awesome episode. I'd love to hear you two discuss ultrasound electromagnetic radiation and the gods brackets Corrin helmet what effects they have on humans and how they could possibly cause ghostly hallucinations an episode on sleep paralysis and hypnagogic hallucinations would be great too I don't know if I'm saying that right hypnagogic I'm interested in quite a lot of those things I don't know enough about them to discuss it right now off the cuff yeah but I'd be interested to talk about those sort of things yeah
0: definitely I've certainly had sleep paralysis before so let's share that trauma
1: well, have you? Yeah. What, what happens?
0: It's like a waking dream where you can't move and everything seems hyper real.
1: I've got a memory of Lee Mack telling me that happened to him once. Yeah. That might be a dream that I've had. Mm. But I'm sure at a recording of a TV thing once, yeah. we were talking about ghost stuff. That might be completely wrong. But yeah, there's, there's a lot I mean, of... It's hardly going to kill his career. <laughs> but have you heard that Bonesworth has been going down spreading a rumour that Lee Mack had sleep paralysis one night? <laughs> I I don't know where that memory's come from yeah. I'm sure, I don't, I can't remember the details yeah. at all.
0: There's a lot of crossover with like traumatic dreams and right. kind of sleep wake cycle and kind of perceived paranormal activity so it is really interesting and how do you know
1: the difference i mean i know the difference because i know that one thing i can rule out (laughs) no you
0: know what i mean though yeah a a lot of it's i suppose if you believe in that sort of thing
1: then how do you know which is which i would know which is which for me yeah because i'd know well it's definitely not ghosts in the room i must have sleep paralysis Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but for someone who believes both things yeah actually a lot of them don't acknowledge science do they
0: (laughs) But would you have that clarity in the moment when it's genuinely terrifying? That's the thing. I mean, retrospectively. Yeah, retrospectively, we can all say, oh, that was a dream.
1: Yeah. What happened on your comments?
0: Really lovely comments from Lewis Walker and Paul Kenny as well. Callum McCarthy said, Do you reckon a spirit could attach itself to any of the compare the meerkat dolls that my mother collected a few years ago? I get bad vibes from Sergey, and it's starting to make sense now.
1: Again, what were we discussing last week? Yeah. You could definitely whack it on eBay. Oh, yeah. And definitely say that. Yeah. And even in your listing, you could say, I know this sounds ridiculous and I know this isn't one of the old Victorian dolls and all that sort of thing, Yeah, but this, this mere is cat the truth. is possessed. And you yeah. actually give your story a bit more authenticity then. <laughs> it's that trick, isn't it? Yeah. Saying, look, I know this is normally an old doll and that, and I know this is going to sound silly. Yeah. If you frame it like that, mm. some Burke will be drawn into that. Yeah. Definitely.
0: So, Callum, why don't you take your mother's mere cats?
1: Not a euphemism. Sure. <laughs>
0: Shove on eBay. And uh, yeah, just say that Baby Oleg's been climbing all over the ceiling I'd in the love, middle of the night. I would what love you, you to do
1: that, Kat. Kind of. yeah. <laughs> Genuinely, Lord. If you're happy to part with them, this could be a really good experiment in the yeah. field this. Put one on as a normal listing yeah. and put another one on with a daft ghost listing on yeah.
0: it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. The great but, meerkat experiment. Yeah,
1: but you've got to keep quiet about it. You can't be telling people publicly and stuff
0: yeah Do it's on. got to be a stealth experiment yeah
1: stealth conditions lab conditions at the moment yeah and then afterwards we can talk about it
0: and sophie cleverly said that she actually knows a couple of people who have had sex in cemeteries right not herself she hastens to add and she also says that her haunted doll story is that there was a house near a grandma's that always had a doll and some teddies in the window and her mum always said that if the people ever moved them that they would hear the sound of a girl crying right and this reminded me when I was in Nottingham a few years ago in one of the old like cave systems under one of the, the old pubs. It was under the old Salutation Inn. They say that they have got.
1: What, what, what? I mean, you can't just say that and not explain why Were just... you lost. <laughs> have you been
0: kidnapped? <laughs> <laughs> I've been led down to the cave by the owners, who are lovely people, <laughs> and they say they have several ghosts down there, but also the ghost of a little girl.
1: Right. Okay. So and this is so tied into of... a ghost thing.
0: No, it wasn't. Oh, right. It was unrelated. It was, I was, oh God, the, the owners were big fans of a band who were playing locally. Oh, my
1: goodness. And
0: right. I knew the crew from that band, so we all sort of went round for drinks and things. I oh, see. So I was cool once. It all fell apart after right, that.
1: Okay. Literally, with each step, you went down the stairs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they tried to appease this little girl spirit. By putting dolls and toys
1: oh, I see. Right, okay.
0: within this little cave under the pub, yeah, and they had very strict rules of when you go down there, do not touch any of the dolls, <laughs> yeah, because then you'll upset the little girl spirit. Yeah, and I bet you are anything
1: it wasn't a Furby. I bet you are anything <laughs> it wouldn't have been something that a child no. would actually like.
0: It was no, it was quite a modern doll, but uh, quite a traditional.
1: But was it dressed properly? Or did it have like an arm missing, or an eye missing, or something?
0: It did have like a Victorian party dress. There was
1: on. some sort of yeah, theater. and there were like
0: traditional toys around, like balls and things like that.
1: Well, there we go. There'll be more exciting chats as the episode progresses. <laughs> Perhaps Kate will tell us about the time she went to the kitchen. Welcome to Loopholes, episode seven. Now, for this week's topic, I was having a think. Again, when I was doing the edit, I mm. was thinking about things that hadn't been said or explored yet. Yeah. And I wanted to talk to you a few weeks ago. I think kind of in passing, I said to you, well I think I asked you, do you believe that people can be conversed with post-mortem? So can yeah. you chat with the dead in simplest yeah. form? Yeah, yeah. And you said yes. But when we've discussed the séances and all that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. you firmly don't buy into the nonsense. Yeah. So where is the line for that? Because obviously I don't buy into any of those things. Mm -hmm. So where is the line for you? That's what I'd like to sort of discuss. And if we look at loopholes of it, I think what I find interesting is to hear you... Mm -hmm. discuss loopholes within things that you believe
0: yeah i do find my own belief system very contradictory yeah you know i'm not going to sit here and be like okay these are the seances that are definitely real yeah and these are the ones that are rubbish i'm an authority it's definitely my own personal belief system mainly based on experience
1: but that's an interesting thing because i had a belief system so as a kid and early teens and stuff I was all in on God and Jesus and all that sort of stuff, completely all in on it. I think most kids, if they're brought up in a school that does the Lord's Prayer and that sort of thing, would just accept it as fact until they get to an age where they can make an informed decision on that and whether they believe it or not. And I think I went, I upped it slightly Mm -hmm. and went kind of mega religious, really. Yeah. In my early teens, I mm-hmm. totally subscribed to the idea of an afterlife, not so much ghosts running around, although I did believe in that, Yeah, because I think you'd have to as mm-hmm. part and parcel of the whole theology of that. But I abandoned it ultimately Yeah, by thinking about it. So I found the loopholes and found the inconsistencies within it. I mean, my bottom line on traditional religion, certainly Mm -hmm. of the Christian faith, which is what I would have been... I wasn't brought up in it, but that would have been imposed upon me by various places within my childhood. My bottom line on that is very straightforward, which Mm -hmm. is the idea of judgment and the idea of existing mm-hmm. on an experimental world, yeah. this is ultimately what the story is, mm-hmm. that things are created and put into this little sandpit playground. Mm-hmm. And according to their behaviour, they either are allowed into a nice cloud place,
0: yeah,
1: where it's utopian and paradise yes. and all that sort yeah. of thing, or they are condemned to the fiery pits of hell where they are tortured for all eternity. So that's mm-hmm. it, it's basic form. Yeah. The idea of, of a pure good Mm-hmm. being or whatever yeah. a god is mm-hmm. being judgmental on a situ it's like entrapment yeah. you know what i mean it, it, it yeah, is it's yeah. like put them somewhere there's loads of temptation where all the things that are nice yeah. are sins yeah and all the things that are self-flagellating or other things that are meant to do put them there yeah. and if they don't get it right if they don't basically abuse themselves for their entire lifetime mm-hmm. they are going to hell yeah. And that, it really was a very stark clarity moment for mm-hmm. me. Someone stood at the pearly gates being like, oh, you've been very kind, you've been this, you've looked after your friends and all that sort of thing. Oh, hang on, it says here you had sex with a man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, the punishment for that is to burn in hell. it's yeah. like, well, that's not, that's slightly out of proportion, isn't it? To
0: burn, <laughs> to
1: burn in hell. Yeah. Because you played with a bum.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's
1: not that. So it was really yeah. that, I know I'm oversimplifying it, by the way, I'm aware of that, but that for me was mm-hmm. the clarity that was like, this can't be right.
0: See, I, I think we had very similar upbringings and that, you know, I was brought up in church a bit, well, my family, um, at least on my mother's side, were Irish Catholic. Right. And then I was brought up Church of England, yeah. went to Sunday school of my own volition. Right. As I grew older, I went to a Church of England primary, and eventually I ended up at a Church of England choir school Right. where church... And certainly, like, church choirs were a huge part of the everyday running of it. And as I got older, although I started questioning faith a lot, I also gradually became really obsessed with theology. Okay. Particularly Old Testament theology, so all the fire and brimstone stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, that carried on well into my 20s.
1: But you've not abandoned that.
0: I have a very different relationship to it now. Okay. As, as I did, say, 10 years ago. Right. Because I did go to church... I went to theology society. You know, I got completely immersed mm. in contemporary theology and contemporary Christian worship. Mm. I think the things that have weakened, maybe not weakened my faith, but certainly the things that have changed my faith, and I certainly now wouldn't put myself in a box, but the things that had the biggest impact wasn't through reading religious texts. It was reading how those texts have been changed by man right, okay. and how they continue to be changed and interpreted by man for their own means Mm. that made me lose a lot of my faith both in the truth of of the bible but also truth of authority or so-called you know religious authority i mean
1: it it gets its hooks into you completely yeah whether there's any weight to it or not so regardless if when something is in your formative years Mm. even now i would say someone who is utterly faithless there are still things like i wouldn't swear in a church I would consider that to be disrespectful. Mm-hmm. I remember filming a bit for the movie where there was some swearing in the church that I cut out of the film. Yeah. But I also have a another part of me that feels quite rebellious to it and feels quite mm-hmm. like, no, swear in a church. Yeah. Know, afford them the respects they afford other people, which is a blanket statement. Mm-hmm. But my experience of religious people, I'd say like in a real majority as well, not definitive, but in mm-hmm. a real majority have been, at their core, utterly bigoted people. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always been something where it's been like, I'd really like you if it wasn't for the fact that you say women shouldn't have a choice over child, but you know, or yes, things like that. Yeah, yeah. And they just jar with you.
0: Yeah, you and know? they're the sort of things that are completely put into place by man's personal interpretation Yeah, and personal bending of text. Yeah. And that's the same thing. That's what pushes me away from joining church communities because they spend all their time arguing over, well, nowadays it's female bodily autonomy, mm. basic human rights, and not enough spreading of the, the real message that supposedly their saviour told them to spread. Like, for example, quite a few years ago now, I attended a certain church for quite a while, and I was living quite a strange, sort of isolated life for a bit, and that was a real lifeline. But it was because of the actions and kind of the arrogance of quite a lot of people in that church community, because there's always a little hierarchy. There'll always be people who will profess to be the biggest Christians in the world, the most loving, generous people, and to an extent they might be. But also, a lot of those people are the ones that have the greatest levels of envy and of lust. Yeah. You know, and so they will put themselves on a pedestal above all the other parishioners because they had tea with the vicar. That I find really corruptive and and quite poisonous.
1: My experience has always been of people that appear on the front foot to be very nice, caring people, etc. Which, I guess would also make them that. If you mm. appear to be something, yeah. then in the moment you are that. Yeah. But I also noticed quite a lot that there was a lot of people like, I'm a very good Christian yeah. person, I wonder how I can monetize it. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. A little bit. And that's, yeah. you know, I'm like, or I used to be a funny lad and I monetized that. You know, yeah. my creativity I've monetised. It's yeah. not that I've got even an issue with that. However, I'm pretty sure you're not meant to do that. I'm pretty sure that that's yeah. part and parcel of the doctrine. Yeah,
0: it's like if you tick a few boxes, then it's, you know, carte blanche with the rest. Yeah. Like I, I went to a, a Palm Sunday service at a church uh, up north yeah. quite a few years ago. And I think most of us have an idea of how you should behave yeah, yeah. during a service. It was a lovely little church. Yeah. Stretch sleep and afterwards (laughs) it was you know tea and coffee in the vestry brilliant i thought oh this is perfect i might be able to go back to church now and um as soon as i went in you know said hello to some lovely old ladies and a man came up to me i may remind the listeners that i am usually clad in black Mm. um a man came up to me and said so do you do you sleep naked do you sleep in a coffin do you sleep in a coffin naked genuinely after upon sunday service I mean, I laughed it off, but I also felt this was meant to be my big return to to faith.
1: Is that the end of the story? Are you going to tell us or not?
0: Sign up to patreon.com forward slash burials and beyond to find out. So
1: you will say on your Patreon whether or not you sleep naked in a coffin. Yes. Does that mean that you have to do a post this week that literally just says no? (laughs) (laughs) be stupid. But that's what I'm saying to you though. So again, when you're talking about it, you're talking like all the reasoning and I'm not saying you should by the I'm not saying anyone should. Yeah. People can believe whatever they want.
0: Yeah.
1: And do you know what? They can arm people with it if they mm-hmm. want to. But I'm I am gonna be judgmental of that. Yeah. But I can't stop you doing it. People can do what they want mm-hmm. and pay the consequences for what they want.
0: Yeah.
1: But even all the things you're saying, you've still retained a faith.
0: I'd say arguably today my faith, my spirituality, yeah. maybe, is at its strongest, but my faith is probably at its weakest.
1: Okay. Has that been since you've been doing these podcasts?
0: That's it, mate. Absolutely that's yeah.
1: it. I do have a history of that. <laughs> <laughs> of basically ruining everybody's fun. <laughs> because they just walk away going, he's very convincing, you know. <laughs>
0: No, I don't I don't go home and read the Bible every day and once upon yeah, a time okay. I did. Yeah. And a lot of that faith was what originally stopped me from actively participating
1: right. I in, see, okay. in
0: sort of paranormal investigation or, you know, seances, things like that, because there was this idea of you shouldn't go to fortune tellers and all these sort right. of things were damnable offenses you know you could burn in hell or you know have divine punishment
1: isn't that an interesting thing though because you would think logic would dictate mm. that a religion regardless of what it was would mm. have an interest in somebody also being fooled by something else <laughs> No, you know what I mean? That, that sort of pertain yeah. to the being spirits an and an yeah. afterlife. Cut. It would all feed back into the same part, that, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, I think the forbidding aspect of it is that in doing so, you might be superseding God's plan. I see. And so you might be kind of going round out the back door. Yeah. And so there, there was a very real concern. And I told you about this a, a few years ago, even, that I had a real reticence to use Ouija boards yeah, so or, you remember saying or that, yeah. be, you yeah. know, active in certain groups so i wrote about the paranormal and i would tag along and watch paranormal investigations for more years than i think really anyone else would right, have done okay. because of that uncertainty in myself as to whether or not this would certainly like upset my family yeah or upset me spiritually yeah and that has been a bit of a problem for many people over the years i mean certainly in like 19th century america you know with a whole rise of spiritualism and things many church communities used spiritualism as a means to legitimize and prove the reality of the resurrection jesus himself could be seen as the first medium you know many people said that
1: i've just had a thought that's always
0: concerning
1: you know you do celebrity seance corner
0: we're not going to contact jesus
1: you know that jesus was a man
0: yeah he's just
1: a man (laughs) (laughs) you know Pretty sure I heard someone sing that somewhere once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the logic of this circus, <laughs> yeah. you should be able to contact Jesus in a sales. You should be able. To
0: you should, speak. and many people claim to have done. Do they? Yes. Well, put that Even in your celebrity they... sounds called. Well, you're ruining week. it.
1: Have you got it in there? One week? I might do. Have you really? keep listening, kids. Oh, I do worry about upset. They can get angry sometimes. though, can't. Yes. they? Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Again, I'm not really interested in upsetting anyone. I'm not. I'm not trying to. But I don't think many people have been interested in upsetting people who have then been upset. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that they were trying to upset them. Yeah. They were just having the awful crime of speaking their own mind about yeah. something, which is incredible increasingly mm-hmm. frowned upon from all aspects of society nowadays but you were saying about the 19th century yes and this was utilized by
0: religions yeah spiritualism was incorporated into many many existing faith groups christian faith groups okay. there wasn't always this opposition plenty of churches did incorporate ideas of eternal life and the ability of the eternal spirit to return into their worship, not just when it became an incorporated spiritualist church. Mm. That has helped me a lot, looking into the early days of, of spiritualism and how people have married that with their own changing faiths. And certainly how pretty much all spiritualist mediums of that time had a Christian faith that then they layered their spiritualism onto. Right. And that their gifts were seen as God-given.
1: How has this gotten so out of control? Yeah, I that's... actually think There's a microcosm of this in the world in the last three years. Mm -hmm. So I think the world in the last three years started a spiral that it has shot down. Like, it's so fast. Three years is a very short space of time. Mm. The world has spiralled across every aspect of living. Every single one. Everything has changed. And people's ability to see things with clarity and actually with informed, critical thinking that appears to be at an all-time low mm. across everything. Yeah. Not just spiritual things, not just godly things, not just ghostly things. Across everything, mm-hmm. everything is so muddled and such a mess. And black is white and up is down. Yeah. So if you see how fast that happened, you mm-hmm. can see how the esoterotic world has over centuries, yeah. <laughs> what I would see has deteriorated <laughs> into utter madness. <laughs> and it started daft to begin with that's my yeah okay I'll take that it started daft Mm -hmm. and it started with fraudulent stuff the whole spiritualism stuff that you speak about Mm -hmm. when you speak about the Fox sisters yes was openly fraudulent I know people say well they just said that they were lying because you know yes and then before you know it you've got future echoes of that in the Enfield case you know it's it's, it's like well I don't think you would I honestly believe that by the way and I can't say it as a definitive because it doesn't mean that it couldn't I'm saying, I think, personally, Ian thinks somebody wouldn't Mm -hmm. if they had experienced such out-of-the-ordinary things. Mm -hmm. They would never back down on it or or lie about it. It would be sacred. It would feel sacred. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is mad, Mm -hmm. in my eyes. But the world is mad anyway, and this is a little subsection of that. And you, as a right-thinking person, what I would think of being a Mm right-thinking person... I find it interesting in a non-judgmental way completely that you would still hold certain beliefs despite your intelligence to see the loopholes. Mm -hmm. I don't mean hypothetically. I mean, you have seen them. There are things that you've pulled apart. So what have you been left with and why?
0: Yeah, I think to get to where I am now... It's just been addressing conflicts within my own belief systems, right. and then with belief systems and what I want to look into. Yeah. Because I don't think now that I can say, "Oh, this is my belief system; it is settled." Okay. With the paranormal and, and with things like that, the reason I progress on with that is because I still feel like I'm growing through it. Okay. And that I'm learning, and that I'm changing. I'm changing my mind and my beliefs all the time, depending on what I experience. Yeah. From the days of sitting down. Next to a Ouija board and going, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. If I touch that planchette, I'm going straight to hell. Right. To now saying, do you want to come and see my Ouija board collection?
1: Because you touched right. it now, so it doesn't matter, does it? Exactly. Can't i have open
0: the floodgates. So <laughs> let's go swimming. I touched it once, so yeah. <laughs> That's genuinely what it felt like. Did it really? Yeah. It really did. It like the first time I used a Ouija board, I felt sick afterwards. I genuinely did. I felt like I've let myself down. I've let my mother down.
1: And nothing <laughs> even happened. <laughs>
0: Didn't it was rubbish. <laughs>
1: of
0: course it didn't, because it comes. I've had more interesting experiences since, but in principle, that first Ouija board session was very formative. Okay. For
1: Do you believe that you can contact it over the day with a Ouija board? Yes. Okay.
0: And have I. You, no, you don't have to explain it.
1: This is just I'm just setting yeah. baselines. Uh, yes. Here. Okay.
0: An asterisk.
1: Okay. What's the asterisk then?
0: I wouldn't say it's foolproof. I wouldn't say. Definitely, if you use a Ouija board, you can contact the dead.
1: Have you had experiences with a Ouija board that have compounded that belief?
0: Yeah, I I think the best experiences I've had with Ouija boards have been with sceptical believers. So people that really pride themselves on keeping up to date with how your mind could trick itself. Because you might get nothing, but you know that you haven't fooled yourself through, like, subconscious movement or knocks or the bloke next to you pushing the planchette. Well, that's what
1: loopholes is, isn't it, ultimately? That's going, find the things that definitely are wrong with the story and what's left. Yeah. And it might be, oftentimes, nothing is left. Yeah. Once you've eliminated all the loopholes in something. Yeah. I mean, we've not quite got the clarity of that properly yet on this, but that's the overall thinking. Yeah. Of what this is so what is a Ouija board first off
0: it's a brand name really they're, they're right. mainly known as spirit boards or talking boards okay
1: which is often the brand name thing is often an argument that people use going this was just created by a toy company uh, yeah what what's that response this is,
0: no it wasn't
1: okay well explain <laughs> that
0: the toy company thing comes up because currently the Ouija trademark is owned by Hasbro yeah and before that it was Parker Brothers right
1: who did it originate with
0: well actually the roots of the Ouija board with that name really, really interesting. Okay. The original patent was obtained by Elijah Bond. Oh, yeah, Elijah. And... And uh, William Fould. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know you're a big big fan of it. And who are they? Elijah Bond was a like a lawyer and a businessman. Right. And then his business was later taken over by William Fould. Right. Who then started producing the boards under his own name, as if he'd invented them. Right, OK. Whereas neither of them invented them. But were these
1: being produced as toys?
0: They were more produced as kind of parlour tricks, parlour novelties. OK. But it's they... Toys in that. Shush. There were so many instances... Like with the Victorians of using a Ouija board, like as an after dinner bit of entertainment. Yeah,
1: yeah, right.
0: So while Elijah Bond first started Ouija, that was because it was already a really popular thing under many different names, and it had been really since the mid nineteenth century, sort of like eighteen forty nine ish.
1: Okay, so it's like Yahtzee, isn't it? It's it's a game (laughs) that already existed that was then marketed. Pretty much, like which then had a copyright on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like variations of, of talking boards existed for centuries before, but none right, okay. that looked like the Ouija board. So it's so just we, the word Ouija. That is synonymous with a flat board with numbers and letters around it, and like yes, no, hello, goodbye. Okay. And then you normally have a planchette or a glass that you put your fingers on, ask the spirits to communicate, and it will move around the board. Now, what I'm interested in. Yes. Again,
1: I'm interested in asking you about this as well. I watched Nightmare Alley this week the Mm -hmm. del toro film which i was really looking forward to watching and i was delighted when i watched it i loved it on so many levels you'd struggle with it because you even though you'd be interested in the content Mm -hmm. i know you have a vertigo issue sometimes and i noticed the camera never stops moving but what i liked about it this is a soft spoiler so it's not a big spoiler really Mm -hmm. because it It discusses things like tarot cards and mind reading and mentalist stuff and Mm -hmm. all that sort of business. But it's a film. Actually, this is quite a hard spoiler, actually. It's a film that is unusual, I think, in that most movies that start with a premise of a fraudulent psychic medium, mm-hmm. whatever they are, mentalist, whatever it is, ultimately the story is, and then there are real things that happen. Mm-hmm. This film isn't that, that's not what it's about. It is about someone fraudulent, and the general 90%, maybe 95% acceptance of the film is that it is not real. Mm. There's one allusion to tarot having some weight to it. But other than that, it's that it's not real. And I quite enjoyed that. So for you as someone who believes to a degree in this sort of stuff, or believes that there are parts of it that could be right. Mm-hmm. What things do you know about? Tricks that are employed. What are the things that people do that fool idiots? Or not even... Do you know what? That's not even fair. That fool people. Yeah. You don't have it, to be stupid to fall. Yeah, them, it you?
0: can be so subtle.
1: Yeah, it can be really convincing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay.
0: I mean, well, like I've said with the Ouija boards that I've done, the best ones I've had have been where if we get a, a name come through that's relevant to someone on the table, mm. we blindfold that person. Right. So they can't see where the glass is going.
1: Yeah, on and the
0: telephone. And so by blindfolding... the wallet. <laughs> and then by blindfolding them, yeah. you eradicate a few of those kind of external influences. So because they can't see the board, there's less chance of them subconsciously spelling things out themselves. Okay. So they might not be wanting to intentionally do it. They might not want to fool themselves. But there's this thing called the idiomotor effect... That's kind of just subconscious movement. So you can be pushing the glass around without realising. What's it got? Idiomotor effect. I don't
1: have that. Because I think every time I've done a Ouija board, I have been very intentionally (laughs) pushing it.
0: (laughs) But I think that by removing as many external factors Mm. as possible, then what you're left with is really interesting. And that's what I find exciting with Ouija board How about this as a
1: rule? Ouija boards, Mm. no one's allowed to touch the planchette or the glass.
0: Well, I mean, you can do. Why are you that.
1: touching it? It's supposedly being <laughs> guided by a spirit.
0: But also, it's being. Why? why is anyone touching it? <laughs> it's that's the belief that spirits are using the combined energy Shut of up. the group to move. Shut but You up. asked. You asked.
1: That's is stupid.
0: <laughs> Whereas to move it itself would require a lot of energy.
1: All right, fine. Yeah. Five dogs sitting around a Ouija board, yeah. pop their paws onto the planchette. Something that wouldn't be cognitive of moving and spelling yeah. and that sort of thing. You know, a dog doesn't know how to spell yeah five dogs all paws on the planchette yeah get all your spirits and say here you go use these they're, they're certainly strong enough to move that thing same rules as normal use the actual physical bodies that are here to spell the things on you go there you are i'll accept that
0: right okay well there's
1: your next... loophole humans are unreliable
0: whereas strapping a load of dogs to a planchette would be they more reliable.
1: wouldn't know what they were spelling. So, if it did then spell something, I right. would be more convinced okay. that's the well, point. Okay, well, we'll see it. what
0: we can settle. Humans
1: are unreliable right. because they know what is happening. Okay. A dog doesn't. I'm just thinking of a living and breathing thing that has the power to move that but thing because ghosts aren't strong enough, <laughs> apparently.
0: But also, you need the looseness in your hands. So, you'd have to let the dogs know. Why do you
1: need the looseness? Why?
0: Because they. Because otherwise the
1: trick it. doesn't work.
0: Because they might not all be bloody poltergeists wanting to lob a glass across the room. And that's no, what you'd need if you've got an Alsatian with its paw on a pint but glass. But the reason
1: you need the looseness, within a Ouija board and seance or what have you, yeah. within that, the reason you need the looseness is so the person that is pushing it <laughs> has no resistance.
0: It is for that's gentle what that is. movement. No, but why, so so what? then if you blindfold people, then you know that they're not being intentionally deceptive.
1: I understand that part of it. I, I appreciate that part of it. Like somebody blindfolded would also immediately forget where all the letters are as well. That would also it's, happen as well. Of course they would. They wouldn't know where. If all the you do letters it upside down. What do you mean?
0: Well, like if you sit upside down.
1: You don't have time to hang somebody upside Not, down. <laughs> no,
0: like sit, sit opposite this the other side. This is getting silly now. If it's
1: quicker for me to just say I, I believe you, I don't want someone <laughs> getting hung upside down. No,
0: I've done that before. When I've sat on the opposite side of a Ouija board, they were asking, "Was there anyone there who wanted to talk to us?" And a name came through that spelled the first name of my granddad. Right. The one who was really into ghosts and UFOs and things. Okay. And so when we asked, was that relevant to anyone? I said, yes. They started asking questions that only he would know. Right. But the most important thing was that one of the sceptical guys that was there said, right, blindfold Kate. I didn't have my valuables with me. Everything right. was fine. <laughs> I sat on the opposite side of the Ouija board. And you know how good my spatial awareness is anyway. Okay. Okay. So there was no chance I was going to spell anything out. Right. And they asked for his middle name to be spelled out. And he's got a really unusual middle name. When the board spelt out that name, Mm. that's when I felt, okay, there might be something really interesting in this. Okay. I'd never had that before.
1: So what further clarification did you get? So that's it. So middle name, right, we're on something here. Yeah. Then what? Let's up the ante. What did you do next?
0: Well, then it was just questions about. Oh, it was really, it was really grim. I asked him a lot of very personal family questions. Okay. Certainly about the well-being of family members. Right.
1: Do you mean the well-being of family members that are still alive or yes. that have died? Okay. That are, right. that are still alive. Yeah.
0: Because I, I know the well-being of the ones that have died. Pre-cum. Well, you know, It
1: could be like you know. Are you all in, in heaven? And he go,
0: most of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I'm gonna have to pop on again and ask him. <laughs> Yeah. But it was it was a lot of very pertinent. How's Granny stuff.
1: not seen her for a while?
0: Oh, don't say that.
1: <laughs> she failed the questionnaire. Oh, don't
0: say that. Don't say that. <laughs> it was quite profound. It didn't feel just like a silly Ouija board thing. These messages yeah, okay. that were coming through a little bit upsetting. Yeah. But I found them very powerful. Okay. But then on, on the other hand, I have been at other Ouija board sessions at different locations and just drivel has come through. Or I've been doing Ouija boards with people that are being deliberately
1: um, fraudulent yeah so how all in is that one small experience but uh, admittedly that is a compelling argument Mm. for you lots of variables but let's go okay well this is more unusual yeah. How all in have you gone as a result of that moment and then the subsequent questions that yeah. made sense to you? Yeah. That I presume, I know you don't want to share them here, but I presume they're questions that aren't catch questions that are asked in those situations. So there are no, things no. that get answers like saying you're very sensitive, you know, things <laughs> like that.
0: Yeah, no, it was very straightforward pertinent questions yeah, to, okay. to family. So how
1: all in has that made you? Because that was relatively recent, wasn't it, that Ouija board experience. That was yeah. in the last couple of years.
0: Yeah. I say it's made me all in to an extent, but also it's made me so aware of factors that can influence activities like that. Because of that positive one, I'm far more likely to pick them apart. Okay. To then see if they can match up to that one I had. And since then I've been on many more ghost hunts where I've been with people where we were doing like a call and response and no one seemed to be looking at the actual assembled people. Everyone was just focusing on the centre of the table. Sure enough, we started getting taps in responses. Mm. But because I'd been keeping an eye on everyone else, I was the only one that noticed that it was a bloke about two seats down from me knocking on the bottom of the table. Broadly, when it comes to anything that's in my belief system and certainly anything that anyone wants to take part in paranormal-wise, I would say, trust no one, trust your senses to an extent, but always be aware of how you can fool yourself.
1: I've got a more radical plan, I think, Okay. for this sort of thing. Yeah. And I put this forward really in all seriousness, <laughs> that I think it should now be potentially governmentally employed or certainly legally employed, whatever. However you do that, I don't really understand these things, but you should need a licence
0: yeah
1: okay you, you have to have a license to mm-hmm. do a spirit board okay. or to do a seance yeah. or to do a tarot reading and you can't just do it willy-nilly all the time mm-hmm. whenever it happens there needs to be an independent adjudicator there yeah who someone like myself or like yourself like well, guinness who,
0: world records who would
1: spot fraudulent activity yeah. would be on it straight away yeah would be like no do that differently because that could be a trick what you're doing there so someone like that yeah and here's the kicker that person also has a gun to the head oh, God. of the person who is <laughs> conducting know, I the sales, so or conducting but, the uh... Ouija board and all that sort of thing. And if they see three instances of fraudulent <laughs> activity, they shoot them in the head. Yeah. So what we're doing here, I know where it's radical, but what we're doing Do here is we are eliminating the fraud. So this is exactly what you just described. Yeah. But on a vast scale to sort this. Well, I see a very serious problem out. Okay? <laughs> okay. Same as the principle of loopholes. Take out the loopholes, brackets the frauds, and see what's left.
0: You are not taking anyone out.
1: I don't even really want to do it myself, but I will do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're such a martyr for the courts, aren't
1: you? Thank you very much. Thank you. There's my very public offer to shoot in the head the people who are legally obliged to sign up to the scheme. <laughs> Either agree to that or get another hobby. <laughs> Stop toying with people's emotions. She thinks her grandma's been speaking to her. Simbler, come in from the garden. What's the matter, King? Simbler, stop doing that with my cat. Come back in from the garden. What's happening, King? We're in. Doing... <laughs> Pardon?
0: <laughs> I don't understand what you're saying. Tell him, Kate. Celebrity
1: Seance Corner. That's what I was saying. That's what I was Stop touching my leg. It does this. like a little honey chihuahua. Once I start rubbing, I can't stop. I like that idea. That of simply rotting Elvis' leg. I'm thinking of all sorts of merchandise. I've an opportunity yeah.
0: So back to the celebrity seance corner <laughs> oh this week yeah. we will be taking a look at 2006's yeah dvd spectacular the spirit of john lennon right <laughs> <laughs> i thought
1: i asked very specifically for more information on what was he called lenny lunt what was the guy last week
0: <laughs> leslie flint
1: lenny lunt <laughs> so, <laughs> leslie flint so we can see where i got mixed up there can't
0: yeah
1: we? yeah i wanted to hear more about Leslie Flint.
0: I um, know, and we will have more Leslie Flint. All right. We can't just have a barrage of... Can you Flint. tell us
1: one thing about him before we go underway with John Lennon's seance?
0: That, that I, I did find that I had several copies of his autobiography. I said you
1: would. I said that, didn't I? Yeah. I said you would. Are you psychic? Well, who knows? Maybe. That is a bit of proof. <laughs> So go on, John Lennon, who's doing this?
0: Well, it was originally broadcast on TV. Okay. Yoko Ono was not a fan. No. Very publicly spoke out against it.
1: Well, they're exploiting the hideous murder of a loved one, aren't they?
0: Yeah, they are. (laughs) But then
1: again, so is every Beatles tribute band.
0: (laughs) So, I never saw this when this was broadcast. Right. I've got a feeling it was on a digital channel tucked away somewhere. And this was, like I said, from 2006. So I got it on DVD. Right and it is not authorised or connected to the estate of John Lennon. No. They state this several times throughout.
1: That would have been part of the court proceedings.
0: <laughs> it takes a very familiar path. Friends of John Lennon, experts and clairvoyants, okay. all join together.
1: So Ringo, McCartney. Uh,
0: you mean the owner of that restaurant he used to like in New York? Yeah. Whoever well, you can get. <laughs> okay, and the Scouse medium, Joe Power. Right. Who I am naming this week because I find it very pertinent. Okay. So much like the Diana seance that right. we had before, it's kind of part documentary. All toss. And part <laughs> seance. Yeah. But there are there are several different types of seances in here. So they, they walk around places that were relevant, and I use relevant very loosely, okay. to John in life. Yeah. So in Liverpool and in New York, and they also take a trip to India. First of all, there are rumours that John Lennon held a seance to contact former residents of his apartment building in New York. So this means that it's totally fine to do a seance for John because he was kind of into it. Okay.
1: So this is a repetitive theme, isn't it, this? that this was mentioned with the Diana thing as well, this, Mm. that they were into seances and stuff. They all do seem to validate themselves by saying, well, this person once done a seance once. You know, that could happen with me. You know, whenever I'm away, they could go... Well, he did them podcasts where he spoke about all the seances and things. Yeah, yeah. So let's have a chat. is valid this to do this?
0: Yeah, although they really are clutching at straws with this one. Can I
1: say on the record now that if anyone deems it relevant to do a seance of me once I have died, I will state on the record now that even if my spirit is there, even if I am able to talk from the afterlife via a seance, I will not talk. So if there is a seance of me, after I've died, which is the only time you can do them, really, otherwise just phone me. <laughs> but if there is a seance of me once I'm dead, and I do say something, it's not me. So Unless it says, can someone say hello, it's simply for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I've given that away now, so... Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, it's so petty, even in death. So the medium that does the majority of the documentary stuff...
1: Joe Power.
0: Yes, that one. It's kind of introduced... Talking on local radio, where he sort of sets his stall, what he does. And I don't like to be judgmental about the way that people promote themselves, but maybe saying you have been helping in investigating two very high-profile murders of young women, and that you knew where one of their bodies was that has never actually been found, then I think... You might as well just get off air, sharpish.
1: This is a relevant point, I think, to make a callback.
0: No, 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 no.
1: <laughs> to my radical no, plan. No, we are
0: not. We are not doing your radical plan. No, but plan under now. my rule. No, no, we're not doing. No, no. Oh, that sort of thing oh, wouldn't this? happen. What's this? We're, well, we're around Liverpool now. We're somewhere really relevant They'd to John Lennon. They'd be too Lennon. terrified to say oh, things like what's that. what's this? Oh, we're we're at John Lennon's old hairdressers. Right. Where Joe says it actually feels quite mystical. Does it? And he tries to contact the spirits of the building. Right. He can feel that the Beatles were there and that there used to be signed photos of there. Photos they can't find now, but they might be trapped in the false roof. Check eBay. (laughs) (laughs) So there's some amazing bits of spiritual chats here that I'll just motor through really quickly. Does the toilet not work? It didn't, but it does now. Um, This is
1: John Lennon saying this. It didn't work is just This
0: is just the, the spirits that are around John Lennon's barbers.
1: So it's not John Lennon.
0: It's very unclear right. that it might be a message from John Lennon.
1: Okay. Can we cut to the bit where John Lennon speaks, presuming he does, if they're selling it on a DVD? Well,
0: they go to the Cavern Club next, and Joe senses, going back to the 60s, John's with this point, a bit like a spirit guide, and John was giving him the name Eddie, Eddie Co- Cochran. I don't know what that... The, Eddie Cochrane right. may have been here, if that's the name. So that's very helpful of John to go to the Cavern Club that was actually knocked down in 1973. Doesn't the
1: Cavern Club not exist anymore?
0: Yeah. yeah. So didn't
1: John Lennon not say, This isn't where we did it, this is the replacement Cavern Club? Mm. All joking aside, by the way, the destruction of the Cavern Club. Yeah, is appalling.
0: Oh, it's awful. Yeah. It's awful that it was allowed to happen. The it, cultural that was...
1: significance of that place. And
0: I think a lot of the anger about that destruction yeah. is angled towards the city council, whereas actually it was the owner who wanted yeah. to expand, moved across the road. It failed and it closed down within a couple of years. Wow, okay. Meanwhile, the cavern club had to have this big shaft drilled through it because of the train system.
1: You'd think there'd be protection in place, like the house from Blair Witch, the house from the Blair Witch Project, the mm-hmm. house that they end up at at the end, yeah. spoiler alert, but there's a house in the woods that has, has subsequently been demolished it has yeah. gone but I would argue and they did for many years put it off and they yeah. there were campaigns to, that it should be protected yeah. because of its cultural significance yeah, in yeah. that film but now it's gone now so sad it is yeah but I feel the same about my rugby team's old ground <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. No, this is a sacred place we don't knock these things yeah. down
0: or where I used to go to rubbish punk gigs yeah. and thoughts.
1: apparently you can't stop progress apparently
0: mm.
1: but you can stop mediums <laughs> Just a radical plan.
0: No. I've got a radical plan. Oh, Eddie Cochran, isn't this exciting? Next, we go to John Lennon's old school. Right. Where I just want to run or go up these stairs. John would drink lager and smoke funny cigarettes. He wasn't a goody-goody. Right. And then we have a chat with the manager who turned down the Beatles.
1: The bloke from Decca, would this be?
0: Okay, well, it was... I'm a
1: font of knowledge, (laughs) mate. (laughs)
0: <laughs> his name was Alan, and um, he seems to have come to terms with things quite well. Right, okay. So we've been very Liverpool-based, yeah. so we're just going to nip across. We're going to find someone who regularly communicates with the spirit of John Lennon via the power of music.
1: His or John Lennon's?
0: <laughs> There's this guru who lives at a, in a mountain village in the Himalayas, Right. and he channels John Lennon's music to his sitar. After a period of meditation. Right. And after he plays, uh, he writes words onto a scroll in Hindi. Right. And so in this DVD, they focus a lot on the Beatles' interest in India, spirituality, transcendental meditation to kind of justify the way that they're they're going about this yeah and watching the guru work would be genuinely a fascinating thing to to watch because he was playing live as he was channeling this music and it was really beautiful let's apply loophole's principles to this yes take all the nonsense out of this yeah
1: what's left it feels like i know mm-hmm. you're only telling me this second hand this feels like a lot of smoke and mirrors this feels like a lot of, oh look over here, oh look over there, oh look at this man playing this, Ooh, look oh look at yeah. that, look at that. What did John Lennon say? They
0: deliberately leave the reveal of the music until the very end of the DVD.
1: Okay, well, I don't want you to have the attitude of, well, I've sat through it, so everyone else has to now. <laughs> so save everyone, the trauma, yeah, yes. fall on your sword, yeah. and just tell us, give us the big spoiler, the big finale, the head in the box. What did John Lennon say from Beyond the Grave?
0: John's song was called Peace, with such beautiful lyrics as Everyone lives, everyone dies, everyone loves, everyone cries.
1: Is that it? So he sent a song via someone else? Yeah.
0: Um, look, it's an album track, I'm going to be honest. It's not a single. It's a B-side top song.
1: <laughs> So is someone saying that they have got... This is like Free As A Bird again. Is, is someone saying that they've got a John Lennon song...
0: This is a John Lennon song.
1: They're financially exploiting something that they're saying, fraudulently saying, was written by someone else when it wasn't.
0: But there's a lot of mediums that have done that over the years that have channeled music from dead musicians. <laughs> and there's been really interesting legal problems with that because they've had to put it as a co-authored piece. So it'll be, you know... But can you can you legally
1: put someone's name on something that they've had nothing to do with? Because I could release a book, couldn't I, and just go, <laughs> by Ian Bolsworth and William Shakespeare. <laughs> and, uh, but I've no import at all. Yeah. But you're implying that it's all new Shakespeare work?
0: Well, it's tricky. I don't understand it, but... In the 80s, there was a medium called Rosemary Brown, who channeled music from several long-dead classical composers, including right. Liszt. And she released a piece of music, well, several pieces of music, but the, the biggie was called Grubelai and that was by the spirit of Liszt. Right. And when that was recorded and released, it was Grubelai by Liszt and Rosemary Brown, because legally they couldn't just say Liszt.
1: But they shouldn't be allowed to add a list to it at all.
0: Well, don't shoot the spiritual messenger.
1: This is like when town halls have a post up saying "Pete's K in big letters and then you look just above and it goes tribute to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny little letters.
0: Yeah. Well, it kind of is, yeah. It's a spiritual tribute act, I suppose. Because how do they know that the spirit giving them this music is actually John Lennon and not a big John Lennon fan?
1: I'm disgusted with Joe Power.
0: It gets worse. Because while Joe is in New York, he also visits... The spot where John Lennon was shot and channels John's feelings after he had been shot. Okay. Which is deeply, deeply unpleasant.
1: And what what does he say?
0: Well, he's not very eloquent. He just keeps saying, I've been shot, I've been shot, I've been shot. Right. And then I'm feeling more calm as I'm laying there. There's a sense of disbelief. It all ends off with a lovely familiar face. With the same channeling medium that we met during the Princess Diana seance. Who uses her spirit guide, Saint Germain? Yeah, okay. And someone asks, John, what is the great hereafter like? He says it's what you make it. It's what you imagine.
1: Right, can I again at this point
0: hear me out?
1: Put forward this radical idea. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you for listening to Loopholes. Hasn't it been a lovely episode? They
1: just wouldn't do it if this was the law. <laughs> And there we go, that was Loopholes Episode 7, where we found out some deeply personal stuff from Kate, we found out some deeply inappropriate stuff from usual suspects, and we're about to find out all the ways you can contact us that don't involve Ouija boards.
0: Well, you can leave a comment, of course, on either of our Patreons, under Ian Baldsworth or Burials and Beyond. You can find us on Facebook at Loopholes Podcast, Instagram at Loopholes Pod, Twitter at Loopholes Pod, or you can send us an email at loopholespodcast at gmail.com.
1: Perfect. Thank you for joining us this week. Once again, I've been Dr. Ian Bolesworth.
0: And I have been Kate Cheryl the other one.
1: I stole your doctorate.
0: I noticed, Are you fiend.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye. Loopholes is an Infinite Hermit production in association with Burials and Beyond. With Kate Cheryl and Ian Bolesworth. Music by Thomas Fandere, produced by Ian Bolesworth.